to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. This is Amy Pons. I'm a Master Certified Life Coach, and I'm joined today with Danny Klein-Modisette. Danny's the founder and CEO of Laughter on Call. She is also a comedian, actor, and author of the book, Take My Spouse, Please, <laughs> published in 2015 by Shabala Press, a part memoir, part how-to for creating shared laughter to keep your marriage happy and healthy. Danny taught stand-up at UCLA for 10 years and has coached keynote speakers, business leaders, and congressional candidates to use more humor in their communication. She's been a speaker at CALA, ICAA, Stanford, MIT, Columbia, UCLA, Dartmouth, Fuqua, and Harvard Business School, where Laughter on Call is currently being used as a case study. Wow. Her writing has appeared in AARP, New York Times, LA Times, Parents Magazine, and many websites. She's also a member of the Millican Alliance to Improve Dementia Care, where she has been a speaker. Danny, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be I here. I love all the acronyms. Uh, that was a good uh, exercise for me. Danny and I have known each other for a little bit here in 2023, and I have been so drawn to her work. And Danny, I'd love to talk a little bit about the story that you have in, on your website about why you started Laughter on Call and how it was to help your mom. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's definitely the genesis of Laughter on Call was uh, I was a comedian and I could not make my mother laugh. She had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's probably uh, three years prior and she was had been living in New York City and I lived in I live in Los Angeles with um, I had young, young, younger sons at the time and thought, oh, I should move to L.A. to be near me. And so I did. And she became depressed and withdrawn and wouldn't eat. And I felt terrible about it. Very guilty. And I was at my dentist, of course, because it's LA. She's like a life coach. And I was like, oh, I just wish I could make my mother laugh. And she's, I said, I'm thinking maybe I should just hire a comedian to make her laugh. And she was like, oh, you should do that. Why don't you do that? And I was like, oh, can you, can you do that? And she's like, why not? Yes. So I put up on Facebook looking for a comedian interested in gerontology paid gig. My phone rang very quickly. It was a friend of mine in New York. And she said, hey, I have a friend who's a comedian. She's living in L.A. She's sitting on park benches getting trying to talk to seniors. She really wants to work with seniors. So I called the woman and she came over. She did a lot instinctively that is part of our training now which is she got at eye level with my mother and she was honest. She spoke the truth, very much what a comedian, what you would expect a comedian to do. And she said, I know you don't want to talk to me. No, you're probably thinking, who is this schmuck just talking to me? And my mother heard the word schmuck and like she started laughing and that's what I wanted. I was like, oh my goodness, she's laughing. And then the Comedian, you know, being a comedian was like schmuck, schmuck. And they had this like schmuck off and it was so engaging and delightful. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want. So I hired her on the spot. I was like eight hours a week, make your own hours. Just come here, make my mother laugh. And she did that. And it really did change the quality of uh, my mother's end of life care. Like she, she started eating again and she was connected to her people there and her community and even beyond the time that the comedian was with her and just really opened her up. And I thought, oh, wow, that that really should be everywhere. Even that first laugh, I thought, oh, shoot, this got to be everywhere. This is ridiculous. 
Um, and then I wrote an article about the experience that I had for AARP magazine. And I got like hundreds of responses asking for comedians all over the world, like Pittsburgh, Florida, Texas, London. And so I was like, okay, I'm in, I got to do this. And that's, that's kind of how the whole thing started. And from there, we went from working one-on-one with different people at various stages of cognitive decline. And then communities started asking for training, which is where I am right now. I'm in New York doing training for a community of the staff. So teaching the staff how to use comedians tools for self-care and creating connection with laughter on the floor and in the course of their jobs. How beautiful is this work and where it came from? That's so awe-inspiring to me. The moment I I said, I have to know Danny and I have to know about the story. Congratulations. It's just so beautiful. You talk about, you know, in your bio, you taught stand-up. Wow. And you've helped business leaders, keynote speakers, congressional candidates to use more humor. Why is that important? And what does that help that person do? Oh, absolutely. I'm passionate about the power of laughter to bring your humanity to the foreground and invite other people's humanity. So as a leader, it's golden because the minute that you're able to through revealing some little piece of vulnerability about yourself, you're then setting uh, setting the table, if you will, for everyone else to do the same. And in doing that, you then create a safer, a psychologically safer space. And once you have that, you have diversity and inclusion, you have innovation because people feel comfortable bringing their ideas to you because they've laughed with you and you've made them laugh and you've revealed that you're, you're also a human being. So it's more important than ever for, you know, not just in the senior space, which of course will always have my heart, but also we do a lot of corporate work now as a result of COVID. We kind of made that leap to virtual and we do a lot working to support mental wellness in the corporate space. And that does come by example, you know, that comes from the top down. Like if you as a leader can show up with your whole self, then that's what you're going to get from your people. Coming from almost 20 years in the corporate space, I think one of the things that I felt always kind of so bad about is that I I would see in senior leaders, I would see in their faces, they didn't feel safe enough to bring that authentic self into the forefront, whether it's in front of a thousand, you know, a thousand employees or even in a smaller space. And I think it's, we don't have to spend time in this episode talking about why that is, but I see it more and more and more and more of folks kind of retracting because they've gotten either the backlash is the right word, but some sort of response that says, no, check yourself at the door. So I've seen that more and more in, in corporate life. And I hope that through work you're doing is we can bring all of that great humanity back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I do feel like one thing positive that came out of COVID is, you know, this idea of the importance of human connection. And, you know, there are those that believe that laughter is the shortest distance between two people. I am one of those people. That was Victor Borge, who is an old timey comedian said that first. And I really do believe that. And so I just don't know after COVID and all the work from home that still goes on, 
how feasible it is to have a separation of church and state with respect to work and personal. Like I'm in your living room or I'm in your, I'm in your space. Even if you have virtual background on, like that's your cat walking across your lap. Like we've seen everything. Right. And so imagine how much energy now it takes to protect, to, to keep that separation. It will inhibit creativity. Right. If everybody's so gripped. Yeah. I like that word. So gripped. Let's help people ungrip. Yeah. You gotta be ungripped. You, <laughs> you gotta know? be ungripped. There, there's the title. Ah. So, <laughs> so what moves are you excited to be making both in the laughter on call space, but also this awesome case study that's happening at Harvard business school. Wow. Oh yeah. Um, I'm really probably most excited about supporting companies that are trying to get their people back in the office. Like this is a big deal. And, um, and you really, the companies and businesses, everyone is suffering from a lack of mentorship and a lack of community because of the fallout from COVID where, you know, maybe you're working from home three days a week and you're in two days a week, or maybe some companies never rebounded and they're, they're fully virtual. And I think it's, you know, to the detriment of, of progress, because you're not building your future leaders because they're not witnessing leadership in, in a firsthand way when they're sitting alone in their private offices. Not to mention the loneliness statistics are like off the charts in terms of people who Cigna did a study and people who work from home, like 62% are, are calling themselves lonely or defining themselves as lonely. And so, you know, what, what we're most excited about right now is this kind of get back to work starter kit, like a back to work restart your company kind of, uh, package of events that we would facilitate that would start virtually and then go in person and then have follow up sessions, all in service of creating laughter and better communication. And that includes like a 30 days of laughter prompt, series of prompts. Because I heard somewhere that you can do, if you do one thing for 30 weeks, you won't change uh, a habit. But if you do one thing every day for 30 days, that's how you can really change a habit. So if you really want to move the needle on your culture, do one thing every day that leads to some kind of levity, laughter, expression, then you'll actually change the culture. So uh, we've crafted 30 days of ideas for that. I like your approach to it because through my conversations with a lot of people that are not excited to go back, it's been because there hasn't been enough transparency between leadership and the employees as to why, or it's kind of behind a facade and it's like, no, just level with me. Like, why are we really doing this? And so I like your approach with not only saying, here's the deal. Here's where we're coming back. Here's why we want everybody together. And then to your point of going a little bit further and saying, here's how we enjoy, not just come back, but let's enjoy coming back. How's that been going? Yeah, good. Very good. I mean, we did a wonderful event for Amazon. We were negotiating a bunch of different events, multiple events. And I think that's what's key is not just doing it as a one-off. Like if you really want to affect change, and really reflect like, no, we are interested in changing the culture. 
And that, I guess, speaks to your point of justifying or explaining to people or revealing, reflecting, illustrating to your employees, yes, we have a commitment. We understand that this was not a culture that you're excited to come back to. So we're going to try to change our culture so that you are more excited to be in the office. And so, yeah, that we're super excited about that. That's really cool. There's a transformation, you know, of sorts, because we change to your point. It's like we changed culture completely during COVID. And then now we're kind of changing. it. It's never going to be the way it was uh, before COVID, you know, because we've all the world's changed. So it's it's kind of a new way of thinking about transformation through laughter, which is pretty cool. So that kind of ties in with one of the latest posts that I saw and engaged with about you posted a two minute burnout checkup. And it looks like it's from the harvardbusinessreview.org. So I'll just read a little excerpt. Professional relationships contribute enormously to minimizing burnout and boosting engagement. My friends at HBR are saying all the right things about nurturing human relationships. Nothing like some shared laughter to boost energy and get connected. So love that. The burnout checkup. Is this in general or is this like a post-COVID? Oh, well, I definitely think burnout existed prior to COVID. I just think there's now a floodlight on it. Mm -hmm. And I think people are more interested, again, with an ear toward getting people back in the office and also retaining employees is really challenging right now. So there's just more people talking about and addressing this issue and, you know, feeling cynical, feeling you know, not connected to, like you're making a difference, not feeling a sense of belonging, not feeling seen and heard. You know, these are all things that actually uh, one might not anticipate laughter would serve, but the kind of laughter workshops that we do, they're so highly interactive that it does have that result. It does address all of that. Because you're taking the time, like we're not a stand-up company. So it's not like we're just come on and do our little. In fact, we recently took out the microphone from our logo because we had too many, in my opinion, too many requests. Like, can you roast my boss? And I was like, no, I don't want to roast your boss. Like, no, we don't want to roast your boss. We want your we want your boss to feel good. We want everybody to feel yeah. good. So we took the microphone out. Um because the whole idea is to give everybody their moment and their opportunity to be seen and heard and 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 hear each other and witness each other in this way. So it really is energizing. Plus, you form relationships. You know, when you laugh with people, you you it forms a kind of trust. When when I laugh at the same thing you laugh at, there's that moment of like, oh, wow, we get each other. Like you just got that. I got that. That means we both get that. And so then you have the potential for the start of a a relationship or a friendship. And, you know, definitely there's statistics about when people have friends at work, they feel better about their jobs. Right. So to your point all- about requests to roast other people. That's a really good point there. I think there was a, um, not just in the workplace, but a lot of quote unquote humor or laughter was like at someone else's expense. So can you give an example of how you don't roast? Like, so what does that laughter look like? What's an example that you give in terms of helping to, let's say coworkers laugh together? 
Well, you could share something quirky about yourself, like something that no one else knows, you know, something that you know about, about you. Like, you know, I, uh, I probably would prefer to eat cereal out of the box. Like, you know, like something that's just a little like quirky and human and, uh, or you have a point of view or, uh, something that you did over the weekend that, or that was something unexpected. You know, the element of surprise is a great comedy tool, never gets old. So something that would surprise people about you or, uh, or even sharing some kind of video or sharing some piece of culture that is interesting to you might not necessarily get a laugh. But, uh, but it would, it does create a human connection. I mean, what I'm not saying, of course, is self-deprecation because I hate relying on that tool, uh, especially for women. Um, and yet it is a way, particularly if you're high status in a company of humanizing yourself. Now you don't want to use self-deprecation about the thing you're hired to do. That's the thing. Like, I'm not going to come on here and say, well, I mean, I wish I was funny, but (laughs) like that would be annoying. But I could come on and say, yeah, so um, uh, I'm in New York and it's great because I don't have to cook and uh, for anybody. And you know what? I don't anyway, I don't really cook. I what I really I just defrost. I'm just a defroster. That's my that's my cooking skill. So not the funniest joke in the world, obviously, but it immediately tells you something about me. It humanizes me and you might contribute. Well, that's good because I only eat croissant or whatever your thing is. I, you know, and so God, all my references are food. That's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. That's the little, I mean, food helps the world go around. That's amazing. I, I love this because I'm not a big fan of humor that puts others down. It's like we can find anything in the world to talk about and like to laugh about. It doesn't have to be at someone's expense. So uh, I totally hear you. And as a life coach, when someone does put themselves down, my antenna goes up <laughs> and I'm like, "Ooh, help me understand why you feel that way. You know what I mean? Like I'll go into coach mode or I try right. not. And what you're talking about just for the scholars out there is something called affiliative humor. And that's the, that's the quadrant. There's like four quadrants of humor that, you know, there's aggressive, sarcastic, all that. And we just want to travel in the affiliative humor space. So uh, we want people to feel better with, when they get off the call or after an interaction than when they came on. And that's super Pollyanna, or I guess it's called Ted Lasso now. Pollyanna is the wrong decade, wrong century. But yes, I do say that like we're the Ted Lasso of comedy companies. We want people to feel good. And and I love that you put that because that's my favorite show. And oh. I feel so good. It restores. If I'm having any sort of a doubt of whatever it might be, my new chapter, my direction, my purpose, things like that. I'll watch a few episodes and I'm like, yep, I got this. Like, this is why I'm doing this. And it's just beautiful. It's gorgeous work that we're all doing. And I like to think of it as it's humanity's work in a big way, you know, and we can get down to the nuts and bolts of how we make revenue and things like that. However, it's still humanity's work and helping bring humanity back to the forefront when uh, we've been kind of away for so long. So, yeah. I want, I just want to circle back because you did mention the Harvard case study and I don't want to, I don't want to drop the ball on that. So I will just say that it's been really interesting. I've been back twice to talk to them 
and it's fascinating for them to figure out. So which area, where's the future? Is the future in the senior space? Because as you know, I talked at the top, but that's where we, that's where we, that's where we launched. Or is the future in corporate? And there's like a a tension between those pursuits. I, I don't personally feel that way. I feel like it's all about isolation, whether you're isolated through illness or isolated through loneliness at work or work challenges or feeling not psychologically safe somewhere. Like it's ultimately about feelings of isolation that, that we want to address. But it was interesting because it was broken up into two classes and the first class, she, the professor posed, Alison Woodbrooks is a professor, and she said, so your lap on call, do you go corporate, do you go seniors, or do you go education? And the first class was like 90% corporate, 90% that's where you want to go to companies, they really need it, blah, blah. Second class, 80% seniors. Go to the senior space because that's an exponentially growing population and they're going to need all the help they can get. And so I just thought that was really interesting because I agree with both. I do. I agree with both. So it's a huge opportunity. I do too, because, and something you just said really resonates. There's loneliness by yourself at home, but there's also loneliness that you can feel when you actually do physically go into the office and you still don't have like a sense of community or, you know, or there's, there's situations where you're the only one there and all of your team is remote. And so you're still the only one, you still feel lonely. So I think to your point, helping feel safe, no matter what, and with, with seniors, it's like, oh gosh, it's illness, like being lonely in your own mind, but also you're no longer in, and we're talking about like elder care facilities, like you're not, you're no longer in a place that is really yours or your surroundings. And there's probably a really big sense of, I don't know, mortality that comes in when you're there. And it's like, like, what is there to look forward to? And that, that's so sad for that. Like, it's sad for everybody in all of those facets. Right. So how do you bring comic relief into that? Yeah. And I, I've, I'm very much in touch with what you just said, because I'm, as I mentioned, I'm in New York City right now. I live in Los Angeles and I'm in a space that isn't mine. And I'm here working with this wonderful community called Coterie, state of the art, everything for seniors. And I don't feel grounded. I do feel a sense of loneliness, like I haven't felt. I'm not in my home. And so I think that that is an additional piece. And I'm sure that's what my mother felt, even though she had, she was pretty, pretty late stage by the time she came to Los Angeles, there is this sense, where's my home? Oh, I just, that's very heavy in a good way. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my home? Whether you're in corporate elder or education, it's like, where's my home? Okay. So we've talked a lot about what you do, how Laughter on, Laughter on Call started, all the amazing work that you and your team are doing, what you're excited for in the coming years. What would you say to someone who thought it was silly to bring laughter into, whether it be elder care or company, corporate, things like that? What would you say to someone? That's a terrific question because it's not like I haven't come up against that, right? If you're talking about laughter to some people, it does seem kind of like frosting. Like, do you need it really? Um, And what's wonderful is there's been so much more work about the science of laughter 
in, in the last 10 years. So specifically, there's an endorphin release, serotonin uptick, all the feel-good hormones, dopamine is released. So just on that level alone, as a mood, as a non-pharmacological mood booster, there's that. And then there's physically oxygen to the lungs, bringing the, making the senses more alive, exercising your mouth and your face and all of that, um, animating. And then there's the human connection element, which I've already touched on, which is, you know, laughing with people is, is creates a trust and a sense of connection that's kind of unparalleled. What's also really interesting about laughter is that it's contagious. So if you want to doesn't take a lot to create a culture where there's levity. It, it, it is contagious. It's like brush fire, you know, and people, if people are laughing, other people will start laughing. And so again, if you're trying to create a situation where people want to come to work and they want to be in your environment, laughter is actually a tool. It's not just something you like sprinkle on top. It's a tool for enriching your culture. Yeah. It's amazing that there's a lot of science over the past 10 years, you said, who's spearheading the science of laughter? Is it organizations like yourselves that get it going? Or is it based in elder care? Like, where does that start? So the Mayo Clinic has done research around laughter, for sure, for for seniors and for mental health. There's actually been a lot of work done in Japan about laughter and seniors. And there's two women at Stanford who wrote a book called Humor Seriously. They did a lot of studies of corporate team leaders and teams and humor as a secret weapon from that lens, as opposed to like a mental health lens. Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bagdonas. And the book is Humor Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life. Fantastic. Can't wait to, I'll, I'll put that on my list of the lineup to read. So for those that might be adversaries to the work that you do, you would share that there's data, there is science, and this is assuming, of course, that the leaders want a good life for their employees, which let's, let's hope that they all do. I used to have the worst laughing fits during class in high school. We all remember what that's like. And if you have trouble getting to a laughing fit, go run through a sprinkler and tell me how, tell me how you feel. So now the fun part, what would you share more for your supporters for mental health, wherever and whatever age you are? Uh, what would you say for them to keep it going? If you want to create laughter in your life, you have to have the courage to be honest is what is the first thought that comes to mind. You know, we say, oh, that's so funny. Like something's funny because it's true. We laugh because somebody says something that we're thinking, but we would never say. And saying fully present, which, you know, you can achieve through just simple breathing. Meditation's a great one, but, you know, having the courage to be in the moment and be authentic because everybody has a different point of view. Like in your heart of hearts, there's going to be something that you have a feeling about that nobody else has, or that very, that maybe not is not obvious. But once you express it, then a lot of people have that point. You find out, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. I think staying open to what is funny and where there is joy. And then the other surprising thing, a little unorthodox when talking about laughter is to let yourself cry, is Mm -hmm. to let, is to allow for the full 
range of emotion because it's only in you know being present for the for the deep sadness and releasing that that you find that you're able to access happiness and and this is something I just wrote about. If you go to the Laughter on Call website, laughteroncall.com, my most recent blog, which we just released, is about July being here in New York City for July 4th, which was turned out to be a much more complicated emotionally for me than I would have anticipated, because this is also where my father died. So there's a lot, it's rich here. And um and I was with a friend and she was like, you have to be with this. Like if you be, if you are with the sadness, you can release it and have access to joy and happiness and laughter. So I think it's not, it's, it's a more complicated answer than I think you were anticipating, like slip on a banana peel, watch a cat video, but it's not actually, it's like allowing, allowing the whole human of who you are. Yeah. That's gorgeous. I always tell people, feel your feels. Even if you're like, and it's especially hard. I think if someone's mad at you, it's like, feel it. Hell yeah. Feel your feels. It takes courage. That's the thing. Not everybody's up for that. Because there's typically, I won't say every time, but there's typically a, a nuance of confrontation or some sort of a vulnerability that not everyone has access to in, in every moment. So it's, uh, you, you look at children. They express their feels all day, every day, and no one bats an eye. What if we could all do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might get exhausting. I, know, I guess maybe you should talk to my husband. He would probably say, no, thanks. Because it's it's a lot. It's a lot to live with that level of emotionality. But you scream at someone at any given time. <laughs> if you don't want to express all of that because you don't want to do damage control, writing all of that is a a way to allow yourself to express all that without having to then, you know, clean up a mess. That's a great, that's a great call out. So I'm going to ask you a question that's like really Amy, but I've got to, who is your favorite comedian? It really was Chris Rock forever. It was Chris Rock without a doubt. And then I saw him recently in Los Angeles and I was, I don't want to say disappointed, but it was very scripted. And so I was bummed that it was so scripted okay. i just saw a, a funny guy here in new york alex edelman mm-hmm. who i think is essentially a comedian doing like a solo show on broadway and also really funny and he was very much in the room so i was really excited about that i'm trying to think you know i really love you know who's really funny right now is kathy ladman she was just on the tonight show and she is a little older than me and very funny about and and like but had been on the tonight show in her 20s she's been around she also works for laughter on call occasionally but um yeah she's really cool and uh dealing with teenager in dealing with the teenage daughter i like that material for sure my favorite comedian is fortune feimster oh fortune that's funny she's been around forever oh she she's an amazing example in my opinion of one who doesn't take self-deprecation too far, but she talks about things that are so real. I think she's hysterical. I love her. And then Tom Segura is my other favorite. Oh, okay. Well, Fortune, I know she used to be on Chelsea's show for a a while. And we all kind of came up together. Took a detour, got married and had kids, because that's the kind of gal I am. 
But those people did not. And like, it's, uh, you know, they have, they really took off. And Fortune, I saw, she has a special on Netflix I haven't watched yet. So now you've inspired me. I'll watch it tonight. I've watched it. It's incredible. You made, when you say you came up together, like you were together in class, like. Yeah. So, but Chelsea is probably almost 10 years younger than me. And we had a show, all of us had a show at Luna Park, which was a club on Robertson. Like, you know, everybody was just working it out. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I I feel like on my daily basis, there's a lot of need for coaches in today's world. Um, And I think, I I, I think a little bit of laughter on call is coaching, like in in some ways, like you're in a coaching space. And so it's just kind of, it's helping people find the gaps in which they're wishing to fill where there's not a mainstream answer. Danny, where can we find you? On social media everywhere at Laughter on Call and then uh, the website, laughteroncall.com and directly Danny, D-A-N-I at laughteroncall.com. That's me. That's amazing. So just to reiterate, you can find Danny to book any sort of transformational onboarding or back to work kit uh, for both corporations, but also still at elder care, correct? Yes, both uh, virtually and in person. So we are virtually and in person. If you're out here listening and you're a a leader or a caretaker or any person that is wishing to bring humor and humanity into your daily space, also ultimately to help others, please contact Danny at laughteroncall.com. And follow all socials at Laughter on Call. Believe me, it's amazing. I follow all of them. And uh, Laughter on Call is one of the most superb organizations I've met in a long time. So, Danny, any closing remarks? No, thank you. That was beautiful. And yeah, definitely reach out to us for all your laughter needs. <laughs> <laughs>